Good morning, people of God. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. For those of you I have yet the pleasure to meet, my name is Pastor Kelsey Parker. Pastor Dave is traveling and out of town this weekend. Although if you were here a little bit earlier, he was still trying to crash in and join the worship service somehow through time and space. Uh, But it's my pleasure to be leading worship and preaching and being gathered here with you all today. Uh, For those of you that are joining us online, as is our practice, we will be having communion, so I invite you to grab some bread, wine, or grape juice so that you can commune from where you are with us today. I do have some announcements today. I'm going to talk kind of quickly because there's a lot going on. There's a new member class that'll start after the 11 o'clock worship service next Sunday for those interested in learning more about King of Kings um, and just kind of navigating your journey with us here. Uh, Please email the church office if you'd like to join us. In three weeks, we're hosting Anne, and Dave put this in all capitals, awesome events called Walk Through the New Testament. And we did the Old Testament event last year, and it was really fun. We got to learn basically all the major time frames and movements of the Old Testament in a very memorable and engaging way. So we're bringing Jim back to Walk Through the New Testament with us. That's Saturday, May 6th from 9 to 12. There's posters with QR codes out in the lobby, or if you visit our website, there's a way to register right on our homepage there. Uh, We are also planning to have child care available, so if that makes it more possible for you to come, please know that that's available. Um, One of our youth, Brian McIntosh, will be collecting cans today at noon to support his Eagle Scout project, which is a water feature that he's working on for our prayer corner in the sanctuary. You can meet him at the garage, which is that way, um, today at noon to drop off your returnables. If you ordered an Easter plant, it's out in the lobby. Please take it home with you today. And if you did not order an Easter plant but would like one, please take one home with you today. (laughs) Finally, um, as part of our God's Work, Our Hands monthly service project, we're continuing to collect books for Children's Hospital of Michigan. And to share more about that with us, we've invited Maureen Sties, who's the child care specialist of Children's Hospital of Michigan and director of volunteer services, uh, to share more with us about that opportunity and other ways to volunteer and be involved in their work. So come on up, Maureen. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. I'm Maureen Sties. I'm the manager of Child Life, Volunteer Services, Spiritual Care, and ADA Coordination at the Children's Hospital of Michigan. So thank you so much for having me here today, and thank you so much for choosing us um, to benefit um, with your book drive. We really appreciate it. And I just wanted to share a little bit about our institution Um, Children's Hospital of Michigan is a 223-bed freestanding children's hospital. Um, We've been operating over 100 years, um, and we... Um, just to kind of give you a general overview of what our services entail, um, we provide services to children of the Metro Detroit area, but primarily the children of Detroit. Um, and we have three intensive care units, so we provide services to the very sickest children um, in this area. Um, so three intensive care units, one an intensive care unit for our general motor vehicle accidents, very sick children. 
our cardiac intensive care unit, and then a neonatal intensive care unit. So our very, very sick, sick babies, um, very new. Um, and then we also provide transplant services. So liver, kidney, and bone marrow transplant. So we get very sick children here at our hospital that we provide services to. Um, us as um, the child life services, so giving everybody kind of an overview of what that is. Is anyone familiar, Kathy, you might be the only one who raises your hand, about has anyone met a child life specialist? You all have. I know. If anyone was at Cross Lutheran Church, you should have. Um, if you know Lisa Beauvais, raise your hand. Yes. She actually um, is the person that I attribute my career to because she introduced me to Child Life. Um, but Child Life is a um, career that we work with children in the hospital to help educate them about what is happening to their body at the hospital and provide age-appropriate and developmental education about what that is and also how to deal with that. So if patients are getting an IV start, talking to them about what's going to happen and what we can do to make that a little bit easier. So are we going to hold your mom's hand? Are we going to blow some bubbles? Are we going to play our favorite game on the iPad? But also talking about those very steps that are going to happen. We're going to tie a tight rubber band around your arm. We're going to look for our blue lines in our hand. We are going to do a poke. It is probably going to hurt. So also being really honest with kids about what's happening in the hospital. Um, so that is a kind of overview about child life in general. Um, but then the things that are really important is that donations are really important to our staff because that is what we're utilizing um, with kids throughout all of their admissions. So, of course, we have um, very chronic kids that we see in the hospital, kids that are in the ICUs, and we have kids that come in in the emergency department that come in for a quick check and then go right home, or kids that come into clinic, it's kind of the same thing. So we utilize different items throughout the entire hospital, our clinics, everywhere, um, to be able to provide those services and try to make the hospital a little bit less scary. Who as an adult likes going to the hospital? Anybody? Anybody? Um, kids feel the same way, if not more scared, because it's that fear of the unknown. So by providing donations, by getting things in there that kids that are familiar to kids, makes that experience a little bit easier for us as clinicians to kind of bring it down to their level. So I worked with a kid um, a couple weeks ago. So he um, is being treated for cancer. He comes in at least once a week. He gets his port access so that he can get chemotherapy. Um, and the one thing that was driving him, so we're going to hold still, we're going to do our deep breathing, we're going to hold our dad's hand while we get our poke, is, can I get the bubbles after this? Where are the bubbles, Miss Maureen? Yep, mm -hmm, the bubbles are coming. So that's something really simple um, that we don't think is a big deal, but being able to have the bubbles on hand, yep, here we go. We're going to do the bubbles as soon as we're done with this poke, and being able to get that kid to a place of normalcy right after that really hard poke that nobody likes is really, really important to providing this care and treatment. So if we're thinking about the books that all of you are thinking about donating and you already have, sometimes that book donation, that book is a child's first book that they've never had before. Sometimes that book is that child's um, very... Um, it's that book that that child reads every single day that they forgot for this admission. So um, my child loves, baby loves democracy. 
That's the child, that's the book he wants to read every day. And maybe that's the book that you donated and that's the book in the library. And now that child can go to bed tonight because they're able to read that book. They didn't know they were going to be in the hospital today, but the library has it. They're able to take it back to their room and that makes that admission a little bit easier. So those donations that we're able to receive as a department just makes those patient experiences so much better to be in the hospital. So thank you for all the work that you've already done. Um, if you haven't gotten a book already, please consider donating to the book drive. TJ Maxx and Home Goods always have great books. Um, so that's a, just a little bit about how we utilize donations. Um, Kathy Ming has already done a great job of providing some handouts about just some other volunteer opportunities. So we do very much take volunteers in person. Um, and we have a, a array of different volunteer opportunities and placements based on what a volunteer would like to do at the hospital. So um, some volunteers really prefer to be a wayfinder or work on our coffee cart. Some volunteers really want to be kind of hands-on and be a baby cuddler or work in our ICU settings. So it very much is dependent on what a volunteer would like to do um, and kind of what timing and place, you know, timing and the gift of time that you have. Um, so I'm in charge of that department as well. Um, so my contact information is on the sheets that Kathy printed out. So happy to answer any questions about that. Did I go over all the things I was supposed to? Okay. <laughs> any questions I can answer for anybody? Such an easy group this morning. Okay. Thank you so much. Yes. Before we jump into our opening song, I invite you to stand as you're able and share the peace of the Lord or greet one another with a handshake, a high five, or a wave. Good morning, everyone. Let us pray. O oh God, your Son makes himself known to all his disciples in the breaking of bread. Open the eyes of our faith that we may see Jesus in his redeeming work, the one who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, and all of God's people say, Amen. I invite you to be seated. Dear church, grace to you and peace from the God who created you, from the Son who redeems you, and from the Holy Spirit who calls you each by name. Amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Today's scripture reading from Luke 24 takes place on the evening of the very first Easter. So word had not yet really spread to most people who knew and loved and followed Jesus. So nothing for them had really changed yet. They were still journeying in a Good Friday world in the midst of grief, loss, and confusion. We're going to dive right into that reading, um, and I asked Mark and Joe to help me read it. So this is from Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, 
What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in the, there in these days? He asked them. What things? They replied. The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who is a prophet and mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Here ends the reading. This text is beautiful. It leans into such a deep variety of human emotions and experiences. I'm grateful that this scripture exists. Because, I mean, every year we gather on Easter, we sing Alleluia, we put on our Easter best, we decorate with lilies, daisies, beautiful flowers, etc. We pack the pews or chairs, wear our great-grandmother's cross necklace, listen to the sermon songs, partake in seasonal celebration, hunt for Easter eggs, proclaim that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, Alleluia. We stand proud and loud and declare that everything has changed. And when the sun sets on Easter Sunday, there are still many things in our lives that have not changed, that remain broken or empty. The divorce is still going through. Our bodies are still aging the cancer is still growing. We are being downsized from our job. We aren't speaking to a friend. We're still stuck in a cycle of shame and regret. We have tried and tried to quit our addiction. 
with no success. We proclaim that on Easter everything has changed, and yet we also feel many days that everything has stayed the same. My friends, we're on the road to Emmaus. We are Cleopas and the other disciple. We are the ones who live in a world where the resurrection has already happened, but maybe we haven't seen it yet, haven't experienced it yet. And there's four little words from that reading from Luke 24 that bring that into such beautiful, true, and honest focus. Those words are, but we had hoped. The words that Cleopas speaks from his heart, telling the story of Jesus, his life, his ministry. And he says, but we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. There on that Emmaus road, all the loss and grief, the reality of being a human in a body in the world was radiating from the depths of their hearts. They had a hope, a dream, a desire for maybe the first time in their lives as an oppressed and occupied people, Jesus had given them reason to hope, to hope for more, to hope for better, to hope for change, for a different world. Jesus' life had given them a glimpse of a power of love and liberation, of acceptance, of a God who prizes and values all of their children, and not just the wealthy, the educated, the able-bodied, or the respected, but all people, and especially those found on the margins. Those four little words say it all. But we had hoped. Those four words connect deeply with all of us who have had to let go of something. All who have been seeing their dreams dry up or their confidence fade. All who have been told that they can't or they shouldn't or they have no right because of their race, their sexual orientation, their gender identity, their appearance, their weight, their background, their upbringing, their record, their education. But we had hoped for a future, and we were met with disappointment. We are on the road to Emmaus. And right there, on that road, right then, in the moment of their despair and their grief, that is when the resurrected Jesus chooses to show up. Right there, in that quiet moment, walking on a dusty road as they process their grief. And what I love, what I really love, is that they have no clue that he's there. And that's a recurring theme in all of the resurrection stories, in all of the Gospels. Our reading for today goes like this. Jesus appears and says, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered them, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place? What things, he asked. The things about Jesus of Nazareth, a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped 
that he was the one to redeem Israel. Not only do they not know that he's Jesus, but they call him a stranger. They're so deep in something, whether it's confusion or loss or maybe planning to figure out what they're going to do now. They're so deep in it that Jesus is a complete and total stranger to them. And while it might be baffling to us as third-party observers to think about how it is that some of Jesus' closest friends don't recognize him at first, I'm actually kind of encouraged by it. I'm encouraged that it takes all these dear souls a bit of time and confusion before they're able to recognize and proclaim that Jesus is risen, alive, and on the loose. Sometimes faith comes easy. At other times, and we don't hear this enough, faith can be pretty damn hard. And Jesus is remarkably difficult to recognize. Either way, Jesus is there, waiting patiently for the ones whom he loves. That's the first gift that this scripture gives us. The promise of what it means to be an Easter people. It means that we don't have to be smiling, sparkly, and sunshiny 24-7. It means we can still be found living in difficult moments that we can't make sense of. It means that we can be full of doubt and confusion and not even see Jesus is walking with us. Jesus might even seem a stranger to us. But we are an Easter people still. This is a gift to all of us who may have been harmed in the past by sermons and theology that insist that the resurrection is a quick fix to all of life's problems. If we just believe enough, everything will work out. We'll be happy. We'll be successful and good things will come our way. This text pulls us back from that, showing us how Jesus gives himself to people on the journey, people on the road, feeling all of their feelings and not necessarily knowing what to do with their faith. The scripture gives us a second gift, too. It's the gift of Jesus' presence being found in ordinary, everyday places and things. It's not his physical appearance or a lightning bolt or a heavenly chorus that opens the eyes and hearts of his friends. The scripture says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. That's it. In bread, broken and shared, in friends around the table, in food provided for hungry stomachs, in a blessing given, in books and bubbles shared in a hospital room. There's Jesus. That meal, those morsels of bread are enough to restore their vision and they see their Lord with them. Jesus promised on the night in which he was betrayed, 
that his disciples would be able to see, taste, touch, and experience him in bread and wine. And here in Emmaus, the promise is made good for them and will be again for us more than 2,000 years later in just a few moments. Bread, grape juice, wine, blessing, and promise. Jesus is here. We might not see him on the road or recognize him. We might not understand the method or the means by which he is with us, but Jesus is risen still, and he's on the loose in the world now. No longer limited by physical body, history, geography, he's on the road to Emmaus and on I-75 South. He's sitting at the disciples' table, and he's bringing his tray to your table at your school cafeteria. He's speaking words about God's love and work in the world in the first century and the 21st century. He's loose. He's with you and me, walking beside the people of every place and time, blessing us and inviting us into his work, and he's blessing others and inviting them into his work too. My four-year-old, Theo, has been fascinated by this concept lately of God everywhere in the world. Mom, did God make me? Yes, Theo, God made you. Mom, did God make that house? Yes, Theo, God made, well, God made the builder who built that house. Mom, did God make that tree? Yes, Theo, God made the seed and the soil and the sun that made that tree grow. Mom, then, Mom, Mom, where is God? God is right here, Theo. I can see God right now. Where, Mom? I see God in you, in your hugs and kisses in your love and laughter, in your amazing questions. I see God. Mom, God is everywhere. Yeah, God is everywhere, on the loose, showing up for us regardless of how we feel, where we find ourselves, and despite the hopes and dreams that you and I may be saying goodbye to today. God in Jesus is alive, and we can be an Easter people who hold deeply to the promise of a wounded and resurrected Savior who does not, will not, cannot ever ask us to hide our own wounds or pretend that we're fine, this is fine, everything's fine. May you be made aware of the presence of this Jesus who walks with you now and always, who claims you and feeds you at his table, who isn't offended or put off when you don't recognize him. He continues to walk with you, continues to feed you, to hold you, to accept you. May you experience with us all the community of living as an imperfect people in a broken world, loved by Jesus, as we walk on our Emmaus road. Amen. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for in the midst of an Easter celebration, you can meet us in the quiet moments of grief, loss, wondering, confusion, and curiosity. 
Help us to continue to hold tight to your promise, your promise of love, your promise of provision, and your promise to bring us together and join us in the work that is getting done in the world. Help us to be those who meet others wherever they may find themselves to. Bless the work that we're called to today and each day. In your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand as you're able. United in the hope and joy of the resurrection, let's pray for the church, the world, and all in need. At the end of each prayer, I'll say, God of grace, and you can respond, hear our prayer. Ever-present God, you make yourself known in the breaking of the bread and in the bonds of community. Reveal yourself to us in the faces of all we meet. Strengthened by your body and blood, let us boldly live out your good news. God of grace, hear our prayer. As we know you in the breaking of the bread, we also know you in the grains of the field and the flowing waters. Care for the earth you lovingly create. Strengthen those who safeguard threatened land and water. God of grace, hear our prayer. You are the authority to whom we dedicate our lives. Help us to bring justice, peace, and an end to violence against your people, both here and across the world. God of grace, hear our prayer. Mothering God, you feed and comfort those who hunger. Open the hearts of all of those who have so much and lead them to share your abundance. We pray for anyone hungering for your comforting presence this day especially those we either name in our hearts or out loud. Judy. Harper. God of grace, hear our prayer. You pour out your love on those who are oppressed. Support and comfort anyone who is marginalized. Raise us up as a community to seek those on the margins and bring justice Form this community to listen faithfully and speak honestly in our ministry together. God of grace, hear our prayer. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We now take a moment to reflect on our week and confess those times we failed to live as God would have us live. We will all follow along using the words on the screen. God of life, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. Where we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen.
And now hear this, dear children of God. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sin. As a called and member of the Church of Christ and by God's authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sin. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and please, sisters and brothers, tell me and also with you. you. Amen. This time I invite you to be seated as we prepare for communion together. Those at home can bring out their bread and wine and grape juice. And if we're here in the room together, we'll be using these individual cups. If you haven't opened one before, it's helpful to press down on the tab first, and then that will separate the clear top layer from the golden second layer. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me, the body of Christ given for you. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me, the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Thank you so much for prayerfully continuing to give to King of Kings, either online or here as you worship. Uh, Instead of placing an offering plate, we are currently still placing our offerings in those two buckets as we leave the church today. Uh, We are so grateful for what you share through your tithes and your giving and also through your time, your resources, uh, the ways that we continue to support ministries locally and abroad through God's work, our hands, and other mission projects. Thank you for the way that you continue to show up for God's people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.